Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the uh, Wednesday night program, which is uh, hosted by the wonderful organization Chazak, who they do such amazing work for Klal Yisrael, especially in the area of getting children into yeshivas. So I thank uh, Rabbi Yaniv and uh, Rabbi Rabbi, and of course uh, Rabbi Lan Shlita. And uh, this shir is sponsored by Yedidi, by my dear friend Rabbi Rabbi Newman, on behalf of Chickens for Shabbos, which is such a vital organization for the Jewish people, that they are dedicated to feeding Yidin, putting food on their table for Shabbos, but especially for Rabbeim, for Malamdim, for Grushois, for Agunois. And you could go to chickensforshabbos.com or you could go to the Yad Eliezer website and there's an icon you click on for Malamdim, Agunos, and Grushois. And you're literally upholding Klal Yisrael because without Rabbeim, without our teachers, without the Moirei uh, Derech for the next generation, we don't have a next generation. So literally, you can feed Klal Yisrael and, and that's the Chos, Rebun Shalom, Shabi Mashbia on all of us. Shefa, Bracha, Vehatzlacha. Tonight's shir is uh, dedicated in, in honor of the new Sefer on Hanukkah, um, published by Art Scroll, called The Light and the Splendor, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his great Rachamim, has uh, allowed to come to uh, the light of day. And if anybody wants to purchase this beautiful Sefer, um, please see our new website, rabbidg.com, where this Sefer is available together with uh, all the Svarim, the Mystery and the Majesty, and uh, Magad HaRakiah on Purim and Pesach. Or you could go to the Art Scroll website, where all Art Scroll books are now 20% off. I want to thank my very dear friend, Reb Chaim Moller, Dr. Moller, for uh, being the main editor of this work, and uh, as well as the Mystery and the Majesty, and Baruch Hashem, many have uh, given very tremendous feedback about some of the content in the Sefer. And I would like to share with you, uh, very briefly tonight, two chapters of uh, the book, The Light and the Splendor. First, I want to share with you a brief thought that I once heard in the name of Harav Avigdor Miller, Zechas Aglavracha. This is the chapter on page 229, called What to Think at a Hanukkah Party. As, as we know, that there's a lot of discussion in the Paiskim, whether the parties of Hanukkah are considered a Sudas Mitzvah, are they, a, uh, a, uh, are they meals that we fulfill a, uh, a good deed, or are they discretionary entirely? In other words, you want to get together and eat latkes and eat donuts, uh, no problem, do whatever you need to do, but you don't, uh, you're not fulfilling any specific mitzvah by rejoicing and celebrating on <clears throat> on Hanukkah. And I once heard in the name of, of the great Sadiq, Rav Avigdor Miller, Zechot that there is something that we could do that could really infuse our Purim, our Hanukkah parties, with a great meaning and significance. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim that says as follows, Havu Lashem Mishpachais Amim Havu Lashem Kavayit Va'ayit. Actually, this appears in Divrei Hayamim Aleph, Ascribe to God, O families of the nations, ascribe to God honor and strength. Amazingly, this Pasuk is addressing the family unit. Typically, in Judaism, in, in Yiddishkeit, 
We have obligations that devolve on the individual. We have obligations that devolve on the uh, tzibor. And rarely do we have a mitzvah that, is, that rests upon the family unit. And here we, it says, In other words, there is a particular concept that even though every individual has to display gratitude to God and every community has to display uh, gratitude to God, but aside from that, it is incumbent upon the family unit to, to ascribe to Hashem and to offer to Hashem uh, honor and gratitude. And therefore, says Harav Avigdor since the whole f- function and objective of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah is to display and to show gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch So okay, the Tzibor shows gratitude by in Shemona Esrei. We say, Alanisim, and the individual expresses gratitude in their personal Shemona Esrei. So everyone's doing what they have to do, both the individual and the Tzibor. But when does the family unit fulfill its obligation of expressing their gratitude to Hashem? This is something that could be fulfilled at your um, Hanukkah party. So at your Hanukkah party, aside from making sure that everyone has their copy of the light and the splendor, and aside from making sure that you tell everybody about the importance of contributing to chickens for Shabbos, it is also very worthwhile and quite important to stop and reflect, and maybe somebody should get up and say a few words on behalf of this mishpacha, uh, we offer our gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving us the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, for preserving the Torah for us, for preserving mitzvahs for us, for allowing the Shalshalas Hazav, the golden chain of Yiddishkeit, to continue. Now I want to share with you something that's strictly confidential. It's just between me and you. Don't tell anybody else about whoever's listening on Torah Anytime, on Chazak Live, on Podcast, on Shas Illuminated. This is strictly confidential information. I want to present a perspective on Hanukkah, and this is a very unique perspective, but one which is quite relevant to our times. And that is, we say in the al after the whole miracle of Hanukkah, the Achar Kain Ba'u Banecha, and afterwards your children came. Where did they come from? Where were they? They weren't hiding. We knew where they were. Why the expression? And afterwards, your children came. Another very fundamental question. What exactly are we celebrating on Hanukkah? We're celebrating the miracle, the oil, that they found enough oil to last for one day and it lasted for eight days? Since when do we celebrate miracles in the Temple? Doesn't the Mishnah say in Perkei every single day, ten miracles transpired in the Beis HaMikdash. Oh, you know, the, the column of smoke went straight up and the wind didn't blow it. Do we celebrate um, that miracle? Do we have a day on our calendar where everyone gets on their back porch, turns up the barbecue and makes sure the smoke goes straight up? Or there was a miracle every day in the temple that the meat did not spoil. So do we leave out, do we have a Yom Tif, a, a holiday to commemorate the the uh, fact that the meat did not spoil? No. So what's the big deal about the fact that oil that was supposed to last for one day lasted for eight days? This is the temple we're talking about. This was the place of constant open miracles. Furthermore, the Nermah Ravi, the westernmost lamp in the temple, 
it lit for hundreds of years without extinguishing, and nobody ever made a yomtif out of that, and all of a sudden it lasts for eight days, and we have to we have to celebrate. Why? What is so significant about the oil? On the other hand, you may say, uh, if you look in the Alhanisim, the main miracle that seems to be commemorated is the military victory. That it was a small group of Jews, actually, Rashi says in Parashas of Hazoi Sabracha, when we say, Masarta, Gibar, Biachalashim, Varabim, Biadma'atim, many in the hands of the few, we're not kidding when we say a few. In Devarim, Lamed Gimel, Yud Aleph, Rashi tells us that the army of the Chashmonam consisted of only 13 soldiers. I remember hearing this Rashi from Rav Matasyo Solomon Shlita. So maybe we're celebrating the miraculous nature of the military victory, but that too is uh, somewhat difficult because throughout Jewish history there are many, many instances of improbable military victories. Be it when Yehoshua Benun came into Eretz Yisrael. Do we celebrate a Yom Tov? Oh, Yehoshua Benun came into Eretz Yisrael and he beat the 31 kings. Let's celebrate and eat, eat oil-filled round donuts. No, there's no such Yom Tov of celebrating Yehoshua Benun's miraculous conquering of the Holy Land. And there were other, Yanai HaMelech was defeated um, in an improbable way, and we also don't celebrate that. So it would, would not seem that the military victory in the times of Hanukkah should warrant such a major celebration. So the oil seems trivial. The military victory, it was commonplace in Jewish history. So what exactly are we celebrating on Hanukkah? Another question, which many commentators address, is the fact that while almost every Yom Tif, in fact, every Yom Tif has their own Masechta, be it Psachim, or Sukkah, or Megillah, Shabbos, there's no Masechta for Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is eight days, and Purim is only one day. Purim has 30 blot. Masechta Megillah, we would expect uh, there to be a Masechta Hanukkah of 240 blot. And yet, lo and behold, v'einenu, it ain't there. There's no Masechta for, for Hanukkah. And yes, the Chassam Soifer famously posits that Rabbi Danasi, the redactor of the Mishnah, who was a descendant of the Malchus based David, took up the honor of his family and with the heavenly spirit, because the Hashmonoam unrightfully took too much Malchus, violating the ethical will of Yaakov Avinu, who said, Lo Yasser Shem Yehuda, so, so Rabbi Danasi did not grant them their own Masechta. However, we would like to examine an approach to Hanukkah that offers quite a compelling reason of why there's no Masechta on Hanukkah. Rav Salavechik, Zechatank Levracha, he advances that there's a widespread misconception and erroneous understanding of what happened on Hanukkah, whether it's the miracle of the oil or the military victory, and there's actually an unspoken background to Hanukkah that, and a much more profound reason for the institution of Hanukkah. And there is a reason why most people are completely unaware of the real meaning of Hanukkah. And Rav Salvechik uh, introduces this with a stira in Shas. A stira between Mayed Katan, Chavav, and Avodah Zar Yedchas. 
Moed Katan Chavav. The Gemara describes a horrendous sight. If somebody witnesses the burning of a Sefer Tire. Says the Gemara, if somebody sees a Sefer Tire being torn or destroyed, you need to tear your clothing twice. You need to tear Kriya, rice Kriya twice. Says the Gemara, one time for the parchment and one time for the letters. As we know, there are two dimensions of Torah. The Zayar says there's 600,000 letters of the Torah, and yet if you count, it's only a little bit over 300,000. And the meaning given is that there's the black and there's the white. The parchment is also something that has sanctity, and therefore if you see the tearing of a Sefer Torah, you need to tear Kriya twice. However, Astro of Salavechik, the Gemara Nabai the Zara, and tells us a story. The tragic story of the murder of Hanina ben Tradyoin. He'd gathered many people together to learn Torah, and as he taught a Sefer Torah, as he taught there was a Sefer Torah in his lap, when he was captured by the Romans, they wrapped the Sefer Torah around him. He was encircled in vine branches and they set him aflame. They put sponges of wool soaked in water on his heart to prolong his agony. His daughter said, Tata, Tata! This is terrible! And Rabbi Hanim ben said, Yeah, it would have been terrible had I burned alone. But now that I'm burning with the Torah... He who takes up the cause of the Torah will take up my cause. Rabbi Hanina ben Tradian's students asked, Rebbe, Rebbe, what do you see? He responded, I see the cloth burning, but oisiois parchais, the letters are flying off. My executioners can only destroy the paper, but they can't destroy the words of the Torah. Asher of Salavechek, this Gemara in Masechta Avedazara is a stira to the Gemara in Ma'idkata. The Gemara in Avedazara says you could only destroy parchment, you can't destroy the words. So then why does the Gemara say if you see the tearing of the Sefer Torah, you need to tear Kriya twice, one for the parchment and one for the words, but you can't destroy the words of the Torah. It says with Salavechek, the answer is very simple. It depends who's destroying the Torah. You know, there's a concept that in order to defile and contaminate, you have to have a connection to purity and sanctity. But if you have no co- connection to purity and sanctity, you can't defile and contaminate. You could murder, obliterate, and destroy. The Gentiles, they have no connection to purity and sanctity. And therefore, they are duly capable of lahashmid laraigulyabed, as they attempted to do in the times of Purim. They are duly capable of murder and destruction. They could destroy the physical, but because they have no connection to kedusha and tahara, they cannot be metame umechala. They cannot render impure and defi- and defile. Therefore, says Rav Salavechik, you all, it all depends on who's destroying the sefer Torah. 
In the Gemara and Avayda Zara, it was the Romans who were burning the Sefer Torah. Romans are Gentiles. They have no connection to Tara and Kedusha. Therefore, they could only be Lahashmid, Lara, Goliabe. They could destroy the parchment, but they have no effect. They cannot be Poyel. They cannot defile. They cannot contaminate the holy words of the Torah. And therefore, Avchanina ben Trajan saw the parchment was burning what the letters were flying off because Gentiles cannot contaminate Torah. They cannot defile Torah. But the Gemara Maid Katan is talking about a Jew. Talking, it was referring to when the king, Yehoyakim, when he set ablaze the Sefer Torah, a Jew who has a connection to purity and sanctity, not only could he destroy and obliterate, he could defile and contaminate. And when a Jew destroys the Sefer Torah, you need to tear Kriya twice, once for the parchment and once for the letters. Only a Jew has the capacity to ruin the Torah and ruin the mitzvah. A contemporary example. Even today, there are many nations that have their their sights set on destroying the Jewish people. And if they would be able to, they surely would, had God not, if God would not intervene. However, they have no capacity and ability to tamper with our Torah, to destroy our Torah, and to have any effect on sanctity or Torah. It is only the Jew who has deviated, who has turned his back on his brother and on God and on the Torah, he could destroy the Torah. As the Navi says in Yeshaya, Meharsayach umachrivayach mimeich yitzayu. Says Rav Salvechik, you know, you look in the Alanisim. Rabbim biad ma'atim, tmeim biad tahoyrim, many in the hands of the few, impure in the hands of the pure. One, one simple uh Opposition and one simple battle that is not mentioned in Alanisim. Why doesn't it say Goyim biyad Yisraelim, Gentiles in the hands of the Jews? <clears throat> and says Rav Salavechik, herein lies the secret of Hanukkah. You know why in Alanisim it says many in the hands of the few. God gave the many in the hands of the few and the mighty in the hands of the weak. Why doesn't it say God gave the Gentile in the hand of the Jew? You know why? Because in the times of Hanukkah, they weren't trying to kill us. They were trying to contaminate the Torah. They were trying to defile the Torah. They were trying to influence the purity of the Torah. And who could influence the purity of the Torah? Not Yevanim, only Misyavnim. And you know why it doesn't say Goyim biyad Yisraelim? Because Hanukkah was not Gentile versus Jew. It was Jew versus Jew. It was Misyavni biyad Yisraeli. It was a Hellenized, assimilated, acculturated Jew in the hands of the Jews who remained steadfast to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says of Salvechik, you know why there's no Masechta for Hanukkah? Because we're embarrassed of Hanukkah. It's, it's embarrassing. We can have a Masechta that the majority of the Jewish people, they abandoned the religion and they went to theaters and amphitheaters and they genuflected to the physical and they went and started sculpting their bodies 
and they gave up on God and the Jewish people, that's embarrassing. We would never talk about that. How would we ever get Shaduchim for our, our kids if we're going to talk about what, what the Jews were like in the times of Hanukkah? So we cover up the story and we make believe it was Gentile against Jew, but that's not the fact. The facts were it was Hellenized Jew against Jew. And there's no Masechta for Hanukkah because we're downright embarrassed about the Hanukkah story. Says Rav Soloveitchik, that's what it means, the Banecha, and then your children came. You know where they came from? They came back from abandoning Tyrone. That's what I said. Now, you say, I never heard this before. Why didn't anybody tell this to me? You think this is something we want to tell our children? You think there's something we're proud about? You think, you think there's something we publicize? We're very frightened by the Hanukkah story. And yet, we're very encouraged by the Hanukkah story. Now, this idea that only a Jew has a capacity to contaminate, there's a very interesting Balhamar in the that discusses the Gemara that says that the, in the times of the Yavanim, the Mizbeach was defiled because they used it for idolatry. And the question is, I don't understand, if I, you invite someone to your house, and all of a sudden they come and they start worshipping your dining room table, your dining room table does not become uh, Asr, it does not become Avedizara. Somebody cannot Asr something that does not belong to them. However, there is a concept, says the Balamar, Ba'u Ba'paritsim Chlaluha. Idolaters can defile Hektish, the sanctity, the Sanctified properties of the Beis HaMikdash. But says the Baal Amar, you know who has the capacity to sanctify the Mizbeach? The Mizbeach was not sanctified by the Yavanim, the Greeks. If the Greeks would have worshipped the Mizbeach as Avedazara, we would continue to use it today. You know who defiled the Mizbeach? You know who contaminated the Mizbeach? Jew. The Misyavnim. The Hellenized Jew. A Jew, he could defile, he could be Mechalel, and he could be Metame. So this, again, substantiates this idea that it depends who's destroying the Sefer Torah. A guy destroys the Sefer Torah, it's oisi ois parchas, the letters fly off. A Jew destroys the Sefer Torah, watch out. You're going to have to tear Kriya twice. Now this point that Rav Salvechik is making about the historical record of Hanukkah is quite intriguing. Is this, in fact, what happened in the times of Hanukkah, that the majority of the Jewish people abandoned their faith and they left Tyro Mitzvahs, and nobody knows about it? Why don't we know about it? Okay, we don't know about it because we've covered it up. We don't want to tell people that. We're embarrassed. But what record, what evidence is there? So it's very interesting. When we analyze the tefillah of the Meimat Asiyahu ben Yechanan Kain Gadol, who is exactly this Yechanan Kayin Gadol? The Gemara Brachas and Daf Chavtes discusses a Yechanan Kayin Gadol who after serving 80 years in the temple, he went off and he became a heretic. He became a Sadducee. Was that the Yechanan Kayin Gadol who is the father of the hero of Hanukkah, Matas Yahu? Furthermore, <laughs> what's even more remarkable is that the Rishonim tell us that this tefillah, Bimei Matasiel, was written by Yoichanan Kayen Gadol himself. 
because there are either 125 words, 124 words in Bimei Matasyo, 124 Gematria Yochanan, or 125, one more word than the numerical value of Yochanan. And if Yochanan, Kain Gadol, was the Yochanan who the Gemara Bracha says veered off, would we continue to say his tefillah? We know that if somebody goes off, then their svarim or their taira or their compositions are no longer in use. And while the Vilna Gain is of the opinion that the Yochanan Kaigada that is discussed in the Gemara Brachis is not the same Yochanan Kaigadal as in recorded in Al-Hanisim. Al-Hanisim was Yochanan Kaigadal who was a tzaddik from beginning to end. But Yochanan mentioned in the Gemara Brachis was the Yochanan's grandson and he eventually went off. Then this is not that telling because the father of the hero of Hanukkah was not a somebody who veered off. But the Bnei Yisachar and Rav Baruch of Mezhbizh and the Kloisenberger Rebbe, or, and Rav Yosef Shal Halevi Natanzan, they all teach that Yochanan Kain Gadol, the father of Matasyo Kain uh, Gadol, was none other than the Yochanan who went off after being Kain Gadol for 80 years. Now, to me, this is very telling. Because if the Gadol Hadar, who for 80 years went into the Holy of Holies every Yom Kippur, was the biggest leader of the generation, one of the greatest tzaddik in the generation. If he went off the derach, do you think that was an isolated incident? Or was that symptomatic of the times of a mass uh, departure from the observance of Torah and mitzvahs? It would seem that if the Gadol Hadar would call it a day and say, that's, that's it for me for Torah and mitzvahs, you would think that many would follow suit. And this would seem to substantiate the position of Rav Soloveitchik, that indeed in the times of Hanukkah, a great majority of the Jewish people left the fold. In fact, the Kloisenberger Rebbe quotes Rav Baruch of Mezhbizh, who says that Yoichanan Kohen Gadol, the father Matasio, indeed did go off and did become a heretic. And he did receive some kind of rectification through the miracle of Hanukkah, and there is a uh, mystical allusion to this in the Mishnah Masechta Shabbos. Because we know one of the main points of departure between the Tzedaikim and the Prushim were how to perform the ritual of the Ketoras. The opinion of the Sadducees was that first the Kohen prepared the Ketoras outside and then he brought it into the Kodesh HaKetoshim. And we are of the opinion, the Prushim are of the opinion that no, the fire was prepared indoors. Says Reb Baruch Mimezbesh. The Mishnah says in Shabbos something amazing. Actually, the Mishnah says um, brought in Baba Kama. It's talking about a storekeeper, and he has a candle to give him light. If he leaves that candle out in the public domain, and someone trips over and knocks it down and burns down the whole building, the storekeeper is chayiv. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer. Rabbi Huda says, the Ner Hanukkah potter, if that candle that he left outside was the Ner Hanukkah, the storekeeper's potter, because he's authorized to keep the candle outside Hanukkah time. But says Rabbi Mezbesh, this has a mystical meaning as well. 
Hiniach chenveni neiroimi b'chutz. The word chenveni could be scrambled to read Yoichanan. Yoichanan left his candle, his fire, outside. And that's why Yoichanan is chayev. He's liable. He's guilty. But Rabbi Huda Oimer, B'ner Chanukah Pater, through the Ner Chanukah that we light outside, that was a tikkun for Yochanan Kankagel. But be it as it may, if there is evidence that the great uh, hero of the Chanukah story, the father of Matasio, veered off the dach, you would think that that was symptomatic of the times. And even according to the Gura, that this was the grandson of Yochanan, Kohen Gadol, this was still a Kohen Gadol who veered off and again, it would seem to be somewhat symptomatic of, of the times. However, my good friend Reb Zechariah Holzer of Miami, he showed me there perhaps is even stronger substantiation in the writings of the Rai Sharav, Hadrash Vehoyan, Rav Aaron Levine, and this is, can be found in Bereshis, page Ches and Tes. And he says something quite remarkable. Says the Raisharab. You know, the Gemara talks about they defiled all the oil in the Hechal except for one flask of oil. And they lit it and miraculously it lasted for eight nights. Says the Raisharab. Don't be fooled into thinking that this is literal, that we literally celebrate the fact that they found one flask of oil and it lasted for eight nights. <laughs> Don't make that mistake. It's a mashal. They defiled all the oil in the Hechal. The Jewish people are compared to olive oil. The Greeks, through the Hellenists, defiled the vast majority. Ruba, the Ruba, the Jewish people became assimilated and acculturated. They defiled all the holy oil. The Jewish people nearly disappeared. But there was one flask of oil, one small family of Kaihanim, Matasio and his children, who remained steadfast, who remained adherent to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Torah, to Mitzvahs, to Halacha. And they did not have the wherewithal that from there they should be able to rebuild the Jewish people. They only had enough energy to last a short amount of time. But miraculously, through their dedication and their commitment, God allowed the entirety of the Jewish people to be built up through one flask of oil, through one Jewish family dedicated to the ideals of Torah Mitzvahs. This interpretation of the Gemara, what a marvelous interpretation, that the Tamei Kol Hashemanim is a mashal to the state of the Jewish people. And the miracle of the burning of the oil is a miracle of Jewish rebirth from a very small group. How inspiring it is then when we realize that to rebuild the Jewish people we don't need the masses and we don't need large gatherings. We just need a few committed men that from there they could literally revolutionize the entirety of the Jewish people. That's what it means. Then the rest of the Jewish people came aboard and they came back and they rebounded and they were rebuilt and there was a great renaissance and resurgence of the Jewish people. So, on the one hand, the story of Hanukkah is a story that we don't get too much into detail. We'll tell our children there was a miracle of oil. We'll tell our children about the military victories. But know deep down what really happened. But also recognize that we as individuals have the uh, 
emotional and spiritual energy to rebuild, even from a small group, a small group of dedicated Jews who learn Torah every day, who daven properly, coming early to the davening, making sure they don't utter one word during the course of the tefillah, making sure they leave their phones outside of the Beis HaMedrash. Jews who are dedicated to Shmiras Halashain, to guarding their speech, to guarding their eyes, a small group of Jews from there could rebuild and will rebuild the entirety of the Jewish people. That one flask of oil has the illuminative power to brighten up and to lighten up the whole world. So I thank you for allowing me to share with you a little bit from this Sefer, The Light and the Splendor. I want to thank Chazak for hosting. I thank Rabbi Newman, chickensforshabbos.com or the Yad Eliezer website. And again, to get a hold of this Sefer, please check out our website, rabbidg.com or the Arnskel website. Thank you so much, everyone. Afrelech and Chanukah. Bracha v'hatzlacha. We should be zoicha to the Chanukah of the third base Hamikdash. Sheibane ben Heri Amenu. Amen.